and welcome back to the Eurotrips Football Podcast. We are here for another week where we talk all things football in Europe. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm, as ever, joined by Ryan and Naeem. Uh, how are you both? Yeah, doing very well, considering. Yeah, I'm all good. How yeah. about you, Ryan? Just, just yeah. Um, for God's sake, man. Sorry. I, I must, for all the listeners... Um, Whilst we're doing the episode, we are recording it. It is a Thursday game, so I'm currently just seeing Newcastle score against Everton, and that is it's all a double-edged sword for me because you know, I want Everton to go down by the all Newcastle winning. So it's all either way, it's <laughs> win-win or lose-lose, you could say. But um, Callum Wilson again. Yep, yeah. I, I tell you, what, he's the most. I I I'm going to hate Callum Wilson because whenever I used to, I've stopped FPL, but whenever I used to FPL, he always scored when he wasn't in my team. <laughs> whether it be on, be on the bench or whether it be you know start it or I take take him out for someone else, but um, so I've, I've grown a hatred towards him. Even though I think he's a great player, he annoys me a lot because he always seems to score when I don't think he will. Uh, but yeah, we may as well start with the Premier League. Um, this week we're going for a different sort of method to normal uh, because we were calling this a bit later than normal on a Thursday rather than our usual Monday slot. Uh, it'll be more of a preview style episode uh, because there's games coming up on the weekend. Uh, but we most well start with the biggest talking point in English football right now which was the game yesterday. Uh, as Arsenal unfortunately lost 4-1 to Man City in a game which may well have sealed City their third straight Premier League title, their fifth under Guardiola and their seventh in club history. Um, of course, on the flip side for you two, obviously the Arsenal fans in this podcast, um, just how getting with that just performance more than the result? Um, well, I went for 3-0 Man City win because we've got a terrible record against them. But, you know, obviously, they didn't really need to get our first or second gear, really, Man City. We just we gave them too much um, space in midfield. De Bruyne had literally had the free roam. But, yeah, the, the performance from all the players, man, it was just... I don't know. It was like they was beaten before the whistles even started, and I wasn't angry, but I was more disappointed because you know you've got into a good position. Uh, we've obviously dropped points the last three games, and yeah, I know obviously Man City we've got a terrible bad record against them, but you know if there was a bit more fight in in the team, then you never know what could have happened. And you know being two 0 down at half time, I thought he would have made some subs, but I don't know. He usually just leaves his subs too late, and. Yeah, it was, it was just disappointing, and yeah, Man City deserved to win. They they were the better team, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a, it's a never bad end to the season again, isn't it? Um, growing, growing, this is this is kind of kind of getting used to it now. But yeah, I just I just thought the, the performance was yeah, it was probably one of the worst this season. Really, um, the only one that can kind of kind of come out with a bit of credit is probably Ramsdale he made a few decent saves I know first goal you kind of question he could have done a bit better but you know De Bruyne pretty much well, he pretty much had a free run from the halfway line and not even one tackle went in but yeah I, I don't know what Ryan thinks but yeah it was, it was more disappointing than anything Um, I mean I feel a bit different today than how I did yeah. last night don't, I hate I hate speed. That's why I should put, stay off Twitter. <laughs> again, just stay out because I say things that I, that I shouldn't, and I always feel a little bit different the next day. And you know, I saw 
I saw a lot of fans on Twitter, you know, really going in hard on certain players and just the whole team performance in general. And I will admit the performance was really, really poor. None of the players, in my opinion, stood out. Maybe no. maybe apart from Ramsdale, like I say, he did pull off some really good stops. But it was quite simply just Guardiola just getting the better of of Arteta and that's and, and that's what it is. You know, I I really felt from the starting lineups that we had an opportunity because of the the, the Manchester City defence and the fact that they didn't have any left footers on the field. But fair play to Akanji because he dealt with Saka very well and he's been one of the best signings this season. He's been absolutely brilliant for Man City and fair play to him because they got their, their tactics spot on and like Naeem said, we 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 gave them so much space. It was ridiculous at times. Yeah. And the trouble with Arsenal is, and we've seen it in other games this season, when our full first eleven plays together, we 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 pretty much win every game and we look wonderful. But you take one of those players out, whether it is Partey or Odegaard or Jesus or obviously recently Saliba. And it just all falls apart. They rely on each other so much. And missing Saliba in these last six games has shown massively, especially considering we don't have the necessary backup. You know, Kivior is not ready. Rob Holden, as much as I like Rob Holden, and I think he's a good squad player, or he was a good squad player, he's not even a good squad player anymore. He's had his time and he's been at the club club long enough now. He's not ever going to get to that level, unfortunately. And he's someone that I think just needs to be moved on come the summer if we want to be regular challenges for trophies. Because it's just you know he got bullied all night by Haaland, and I know you know ninety percent of defenders in the world will all get bullied by him. But I just think, especially for the first goal, Saliba would have dealt with Haaland a little bit differently would have had more of an opportunity and overall the the whole defence just looked all over the place. Sinchenko I thought was a was a mistake to play him. Yep. He's not he's not an out and out left back and you know we we caused ourselves issues issues there. Gabriel was you know Andy said it during the game, Gabriel had a had an absolute nightmare and uh, I thought the only one who actually did play all right was Ben White. Um, but again, we couldn't even switch Ben White to centre back because Tommy Asu is injured as well. So you know, the injuries have just killed us at crucial parts during the season. But you can't take anything away from from City because they were they were brilliant. And I said it; they didn't need to get out of first or second gear, um, even though they gave us a lot of credit after the game, which I was quite surprised with, considering how many little bust ups there were. Yeah. Game and even after the game, you know Ben White being his usual shit house. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even disappointed to be honest, because there wasn't an, an air of inevitability about the game going into it. As much as we all wanted to believe, you know, we're just, you know, every other club right now is still a long way away from from Man City, who have basically got a squad. Of players all in their prime, and yeah. maybe apart from Foden, you know you can't 
you can't you can't compete against that. It's ridiculous. You know, the fact that I mean, how many I don't know how many Premier League games they have left. It must be seven or eight. Uh, seven. The fact that Haaland has broken that Premier League record already, deal with that amount of games left to play, is obscene, and that I don't believe will ever be beaten. No, uh, it's, it's 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 criminal. Um, and I, I likened last night Man City to a friend of mine, and I, I said that they that the Lance Armstrong of football, and the fact that back in the day. Everyone loved him, looked at him, and he was the face of cycling, and he was absolutely brilliant. He won all these trophies. He won everything. But they came when he was found out and he was caught for cheating, and that day will come to Manchester City. <laughs> 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 oh, I, I would love that to happen. Um, it will. I mean, it's, it's just it's annoying because I know, you know, what you guys are going through, I know exactly what you're going through. I've had it four times in my life, three times. Um, City beat me to the league. I mean, I had the 2013-14, um, 20, obviously 2018-19 and last season. But this is an air of inevitability. And they always see that this is why they're a team they are and why they could win the treble because they hit the form at the right time. I mean, every year I can think of they won the league. They go for these bad spells, like November, for example, October, November seems to be the one when they normally go for these bad runs. And I know this, these people are saying it. And when we lost the league to them, they're saying, oh, City aren't the same this year. And then they, by hook or by hook, they find this way to um, to do it. And this is why they're the best team in the world. That's why Pep Guardiola, for me now, is the second best manager in Premier League history. They just know exactly what to do. They know exactly how to win the league. And he's that winning mentality, which wasn't there under Mancini and Pellegrini. They won it once each, but really... That they they were poor managers, but Pep's just turned them into this machine. And I, I have to apologise to Erling Haaland. Um, I know Steve, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll be loving hearing this. Uh, I've many times called him a stat padder in this season, Haaland. I've said that he doesn't do it against a big team. He doesn't do it when it really matters. He only scores against rubbish teams. But what I've seen against Bayern Munich, uh, both legs. What I've seen against um, Arsenal in in this game, especially, and just I have to apologise because he. Is I, I think it can be beaten because, you know, the way the game's going is favouring strikers. And I think that no one thought Salah's record would be beaten. That got beaten. So I think it can be beaten, but I don't think it will be for a long time. I think that record, he's having, he's got eight games left, I think, and he could easily get another 10, 15, even 20 goals if he's lucky. And I think that it's, he is just, I mean, how they got the 60 million or just under that, I do not know. Um, but yeah, I think that, we have to hope that what we got a few years ago that they have this one year when they when they go off and we you know I think we are approaching slightly sitting more peps there buying territory in Bundesliga you get this maybe or PSG in La Liga you get this one season after that maybe eight or nine where you do get these teams that do win the league and maybe catch City off guard but um, in terms of the performance on Wednesday I mean yesterday I should say um, or two days ago if you were listening on a Friday um, I thought City was just given far too much you guys are saying far too much space and me watching as a neutral I just didn't see Arsenal even do anything I can't think apart from the holding goal really I mean I did switch off to Liverpool after half time when it turned 2-0 I thought this game's done but um, 
I just don't remember seeing in a first half, especially any chances that Arsenal had any sort of any threat that our city goal. And you know, Rob Holding, I, I don't know how he's. I think he. I genuinely think he's probably the nicest footballer in the Premier League as a person. But I genuinely mm. think that I don't know how he's still getting games. I mean, he was simply probably he's probably the worst player on the pitch. Gabby Alpoy wasn't far off that, but. I mean, he was pretty bad. I can't think whether it was against us. He's, I can't think he's bad against someone else recently as well. And it is just, I think, you know, he's had his time. He's had game time now. And I think that Saliba's miss, as you say, is absolutely massive because I think Arsenal managed well without Gabriel Jesus. Now, I don't know whether mm. they've had games that Udegaard this season, but I know they've managed well without Jesus. But since Saliba's been out of the game, this out of the team this season, it's just been... It's just all been the same defensively. And I think that you look at how bad you were last year defensively when he wasn't playing for you. He was on loan at, at Nice or Marseille, whoever it was. Um, and you look at how the, how, how he's improved the side defensively. I think if I think it certifies for me his place in my team of the year, Premier League, because the myth, the, 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 the amount of um, the amount of drop we've seen from Arsenal's defence since he's been gone just shows how crucial he is. And I think that he, I think for me, has shown this season, I think his absence has shown as well that I think he can go on Jenny to become one of the best centre-backs in the world. I think on current form, I'd have him right now above any centre-back in the Premier League on on this season alone. I think that Van Dijk's not the same player anymore. Ruben Diaz is someone I like. He could probably compete with that. But you know, there's not that many good centre-backs. But I think Saliba might Jenny be one of the best already. I think he's that good. But the, Yeah, the, the, the thing is, just quickly... On the difference, when you watch him, the way he he makes forward runs, he gets the ball and he's not afraid to take players on and he will run at defenders. Ben White does it as well. They will run at people and drive the team forward up the pitch and his passing is just, you know, again, levels ahead. And then when you watch Holden, he's, he, he's not comfortable on the ball as much and he doesn't do these runs meaning he, he drops further and further back, bringing the rest of the team back. And he, you can see last night, every time he got the ball, he, he looked nervous on it. Um, and again, that just creates a whole nervousness throughout the whole team because it's one less player that they trust to pass the ball to. And um, I also can't still work out how the second goal was given because they picked the one angle which slightly favoured um, John Stones, whereas the original replay, he looked miles offside. So I'm I'm still bemused because the angle that they showed on VAR was from such a weird place. I don't know if it's, if, if if that is the camera angle for VAR at Manchester City, but I I still don't what know how that was given, and I think NBC host said it um where where they were actually looking into that to see if it was a mistake another one from var but i don't think it would have made much of a difference overall but going in a half time one nil compared to two nil you never know so yeah that's just another little thing yeah i mean i it's one angle i saw it looked on side to me but as you're saying if there's another angle i've not seen and maybe my mind will be changed but i i, I think you're right i don't think really I think even if he'd equalised, which I don't think would have happened, I don't think you'd have equalised anyway, but I think even if he had, 
I think City would have still found a way to win that game. I think they're just in that kind of form. And this really brings me on to the next point, really, was a final point, really, was about City because they're in the FA Cup final. They cruised to win over Sheffield United. Mares became the first player since the 50s, I believe, to score a hat trick in the FA Cup semi final. And Man U won on penalties against Brighton of Albion with Solly March missing the only penalty, uh, which for me, for obvious reasons, if you know my story, uh, I was gutted to see Brighton lose that game. Um, but City now have got that, which you'd think on current form, they breeze past Man U. And you look at um, City's obviously league kind of situation. I think that league is almost done. Despite Pep saying, you know, we've got hard games against West Ham and Leeds, which I don't think is true. Um but of course, that leads me into can they become the first team since Man U in 1999 in England to win a treble? Um, because for me personally, um, also we've got two Champions League semi-finals coming up. City are playing Real Madrid and AC Milan play Inter Milan, which is going to be a, fa- a great game. But you would think, um, I know finals is 50-50, but you would think nine times out of ten, whoever wins that game between City and Madrid win that game in the final. So... If City are to advance to the final and they've already won the league by that point, and they, I think there's a good chance they could win the treble. Um, but what's your thoughts now, boys? Do you think that the treble is on, or do you think maybe we could see one of those three uh, not go their way? Um, well, obviously, FA Cup final, but I think first ever Manchester Derby FA Cup final, yeah, so that's ever, yeah, it, it could kind of go either way, really, because it's, it's an FA Cup. You know, final obviously on on Man City's current form. Yeah, you would say they'd beat Man United, but you know it's a chance for United to get a second tr- um, domestic trophy as well this season. But obviously with Real Madrid, they've not been the greatest in the league last couple of weeks. But obviously they love this competition. But I I, I can kind of see it happening. To be fair, um, it's the best opportunity. They're not going to get a better opportunity than this because you. you you pretty much say that the two strongest teams in the Champions League are Real Madrid and Man City. Obviously, you know, AC and Inter don't well to get this far, but it's, I don't know, man. It's just, you know, you know what Man City are like. Um, you think they're going to win, but then they don't. But I, I think, I, I think, I think they're probably, they're probably, if it's not a treble, maybe that's a double, double, um, well, maybe FA Cup in, in the league. But yeah, it just depends on how Real Madrid turn up um, in two weeks' time. Because, uh, like, like I said, in the league, they haven't been the greatest. But, obviously, in the Champions League, they do turn it up. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And, yeah, FA Cup final can go either way. They are obviously going to be favourites because, obviously, the form they're in. But you never know. You never know what could happen on a day. It could go to penalties and then Man United could win. So, yeah, it'll be good to see what happens. And, yeah, it's also, obviously it's a shame it's that at our expense if they do win the treble. But they've been probably like one of the best teams in Europe the last couple of years without winning the Champions League. So, yeah, if not a treble, I reckon I'll get a double. Well, I think what we should be intrigued for is some movements around us three in our bank accounts because, obviously, don't know the story, I bet, Ryan, at the start of the year, that Brennan Johnson would score more goals than Gabriel Jesus. And right now, um, Johnson is one goal behind Jesus, which... Wasn't helped by his miss on the weekend, um, sorry, yesterday, um, where they, they still beat Brighton, but John and Johnson missed his second penalty of the year. So right now, Ryan is going to get 50 quid from me. But when me and Naeem and Ryan watched the Champions League final between Chelsea and Man City back in 2021, we and Naeem betted that 
if City won the Champions League within the next five years, Nye would pay me £75. If they didn't, I'd pay him that money. And it, albeit, I uh, disclaimer, this was a, a drunken bet between me and Nye. Um, still shook on it, so still. Can't. Yeah, so it could be the case that it was within the face of a week or two. Um, I give Ryan 50 quid, but I made that back instantly when Nine gives me 75. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it should be an interesting few weeks. And of course, we're spending the next few weeks together in Thailand. So it should be set for plenty of, um, you know, of, of stuff, of uh, these kind of things happening. I mean, um, of course, um, we're hoping to bring some podcasts where we're actually for the first time on this whole podcast two series we've done actually in the same room with each other, which is that we've always been over Zoom or Skype. We've never, ever yet done a podcast together. Um, and Everton has just scored. Um, oh, no, wait. <laughs> offside. Cavalier have been disallowed offside. But, yeah, I think it should be a good few weeks. But looking at games ahead on the weekend, um, so we've got the, the main ones, really. Um, I mean, it should have been on Saturday night, Arsenal-Chelsea. That's been moved for some reason on a Tuesday for policing reasons. Um, you've got Fulham against City, which is basically a lot to do with um, title race. And then down the bottom, big game really I can think of, Monday, 8pm for UK listeners of this podcast, Leicester against Everton, which is really a massive six-pointer. Um, who'd have thought a few minutes ago it'd be Sean Dyche against Dean Smith when you saw that fixture. Um, Brentford Forest, Forest trying to stay up, Brentford trying to get small hope of Champions League. The one I'm intrigued by is Manu Villa. Because Villa, I think, for me, have been one, though they are, I think they're third in the form table. These past, um, since Emery took over, they've been absolutely brilliant. And Man U have been a bit inconsistent. So, yeah, some good games there. Um, but we are going to move on because we have to talk about the Premier League for far too much on this episode. So, who wants to go next out of you two? I let Naeem go because um, a certain team in relegation problems got a massive win tonight. So, I'll let him Take it away. Yeah, so I'll just quickly... There was, basically, there was two games that kicked off at half six today. So, obviously, whenever you're listening, these have been done. So, Valencia, they had a kind of a relegation six-pointer against Real Valladolid. Um, they, they were 1-0 down, but they managed to turn it around 2-1. So, that means that they're two points um, off the drop zone. They've got a game on the weekend against Cadiz. Um, and a team that actually is in the bottom three. So, yeah, Valencia have picked up two wins um, in the last two games. Um, before that, they had a run of not winning the game in the last four. So, they're starting to pick up a bit of form now. So, I reckon they probably will be safe, but you just never know in the league. And, man, these these teams, man, you think they're going to beat, beat one team and then they go and lose. So, yeah, down at the bottom of the table is still tight. Like I said, Elche... They're pretty much gone dead and buried. They're only on 13 points. They're, what, 17, about 18 points from safety. So, yeah, they're pretty much gone to be playing for pride now. Espanyol, yeah, they've they've not won a game since February. And, yeah, they they currently sit 19th. They they were, like, in the bottom 10. But, yeah, these, the, 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 the run of games that they're losing, yeah, they're in the bottom three. And they have four points from safety, so they're going to be um, at risk of going down. My uh, attention now turned to the top of the table. I'd probably say the game of the weekend will probably be Barcelona against Robertis. Barcelona, um, they lost on the weekend, actually. They did. Sorry, not on the weekend. They lost yesterday to Raya Vallecano, um, surprisingly. But 
they're still they're still top of the table. Uh, Real Madrid are eleven points behind them. They, you know they had a bit of a bigger gap than that before, but last four games Barcelona have dropped points and obviously not won a game. So they'll probably still go on to win the league. But yeah, there's a bit of complacency in the last last couple of games. But yeah, Betis against Barcelona. Betis are currently sixth, a point behind Villarreal, who won earlier on against Espanyol, who I mentioned are in the bottom um, bottom three. Espanyol actually did take the lead before half time, but yeah, Villarreal they they do what they do best, and they yeah they turn it around and one four two there. So yeah, there's not really too been too much movement. Uh, there's a few teams that can still get Europe, mainly probably Osasuna and Athletic Club. They're five points and three points, uh, sorry, two points off the European spots respectively, um, namely Conference League. So yeah, it's looking. It's looking like the top six will probably remain the same. Atletico Madrid, they've been on they've been on um great form, really. They've only lost one game in the last yeah, last ten or eleven. That was against Barcelona um at the weekend, narrow one nil loss. You know, Barcelona they kept so many clean sheets this season and only losing one nil to them is not too bad. So yeah, they're only two points behind Real Madrid. Um they've got real Valladolid on the weekend. So you you'd expect them to win that game, but yeah, uh, the season's kind of wrapping up now. Only seven games to go for most teams, apart from Athletic Club and what's the other team? Sevilla. So obviously that'll be their game in hand. But yeah, Sevilla, obviously they're in the semi-finals of the Europa League. They're, I reckon they're pretty much going to be safe now. They're seven points from the drop. Um, and yeah, it's um yeah it's been an interesting season in the Liga and yeah I'd say look out for that Barcelona Real Betis Betis game because they can obviously um go above Villarreal on the weekend but yeah not too much to really report on in the Liga apart from those those matters. I mean I have to just from an outside looking in looking at the the form of Atletico Madrid in recent weeks it's just mm. I think it's absolutely they haven't lost a game they've only lost one game uh, which was only two weeks ago since January the eighth. That was against Barcelona. I mean, the form they've been on has been incredible. They just moved at the table so much. And, you know, because Simeone, another season where he's going to get Champions League football. I mean, just how good of a job has he done well, in his career, but also this season alone to turn them around from really what was a, a bad season before before the break to now a team that's you know, top four comfortably. Yeah, like, so like you said, before the World Cup break, yeah, they... Did lose quite a few games. They weren't playing the playing the greatest of football, but yeah, since the turn of the year, yeah, they've just been in been in great form, and this is a kind of a testament to him, really. Like he's, I think, yeah, he's the longest serving manager in La Liga. Um, he's been there since twenty twelve or thirteen, I believe. But yeah, he's 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 a he's a good coach from from what he got. Obviously, they, they don't really spend big on players. Um, Atletico Madrid, and they, like I said, they're only two points behind Real Madrid, who. They're not having a great season themselves, but yeah, he's he's a good manager. Um, we get to see him go to a different league to see what he can do there. Um, he's still pretty pretty young in managerial terms, so yeah, it's a credit to them. Obviously, they loaned out Joe Felix, and yeah, they seem like a different team now. But yeah, um, they'll get Champions League again. Just just whether they can kick on now next season because. It's it's pretty tight up there to be fair. Obviously Sevilla they they've dropped out and obviously Sociedad have taken their place this season. But yeah, they they've been doing very well. Um, so obviously since like you said since January. So 
yeah, we'll see see what they do. I don't know whether he'll stay stay another year, but the fans love him there in Madrid, so I can't see him. I can't see him going anywhere else. And I think he's I think he still is the, the highest paid manager, um, football manager in the world, anyway. So yeah, we'll um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think for that reason you mentioned alone, I think that's why I don't think he'll ever leave unless he's told to. Because mm. why would you leave? The fans love him. He's getting more money than any manager in the world, and their team that every year is competing in Champions League football. And I think that you know, sort of Graham Potter is a great example of this in recent times that the grass isn't always green on the other side. You know, Potter went to Chelsea. You know, uh, obviously big opportunity for him, but since he's left Brighton, they look better without him. He stunk the place out of Chelsea and, you know, his career could go well still. He could rejuvenate somewhere else, but it could easily not go that way. So I think that Simeone, you know, you mentioned being young, um, you know, he could easily have a disaster spell somewhere and not get work again for two or two years. I think right now for me, if I was Simeone, I would be going nowhere but staying there. And of course you get, you get sunshine, you get nice way of life. So yeah, I personally wouldn't leave Ryan, but we are going to go to a break. When he come back, we're going to focus on the league, which has made a better comeback than Rob Holding's hair. We'll see you guys in a minute. And welcome back to the second half of the podcast, where we're now going to talk about the final league, which I've now decided to call it the Rob Holding League of Italy. Um, Ryan, what's been happening? Quite a lot. Uh, there's a lot to unravel, but I don't want to go through too much of it because we'll be here for a very long time. Um, I mean, Napoli are now champions-elect. They moved that ever a little bit closer to the squad dead. So winning at Juventus at the weekend, Raspadori scoring in the dying minutes of the game, crucial 1-0 win, which meant Napoli done double over Juve this season for the first time in a very long time. Of course, they did do it in uh, the last season. They won the squad dead. So when uh, old Diego was there, so... Yeah, that means a lot to the to the Napoli fans, and what followed was 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 quite amazing, really. When Napoli arrived back in Naples, to hundreds, if not thousands, of fans. I don't know if you've seen it on social media, but you had two or three fans on 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 a scooter or a moped each, driving behind the team bus, following, you know, just celebrating, going absolutely mental, and you know, it's a good job. I mean, I don't know what the rules are in, in, in Italy, but, you know, when you've got two or three people to one moped, none of them wearing helmets. It's oh, quite, just quite seen, insane. Just seen on Twitter now, I just searched it now, Victor Oshman's video. Yeah. I mean, that, that was like, that looks amazing. I mean, I just, I just want to take this time to um to thank COVID for being the one year you decided to come when Liverpool won the league, because I think what we'd have seen if we'd won the league, when he won the league, sorry, that year, what we would have seen, I think, would have been something of similar nature to that. I think Italian's mm. a bit more crazy when it comes to that. But I think certainly, you know, if, if there weren't restrictions, it would have been, I can't imagine what it'd been like. So um, it makes me a little bit jealous, but um, yeah, it looks amazing scenes. I think it would have been similar as well. Um, yeah. as, as, as much as it saddens me as well to think that, I think we would have seen sort of similar scenes in North London as well. You know, Arsenal fans would have shut London down. Mm. Uh, if, 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 well, we we still have that small chance, but um, yeah, enough. Enough of fans have just been, um, you know, they've been there from the very start this season, given you know unparalleled support, really. Um, 
and Naples is going to be some place not only when they're confirmed champions, which could very well be this weekend, but when they do the title parade at the end of the season, it's going to be something special to witness. Um, as I say, they can seal it this weekend if they win their game, and if Lazio failed to beat Inter, which is you know strong possibility. So yeah, we could have new champions for the first time in a long time come this weekend. But if it's not this weekend, it is just delaying the inevitable. You would imagine, um, but the saga that, that is Juventus. I mean, that came into the headlines last week, last Wednesday actually. In particular, um, they had their appeal to the fifteen points reduction that they were given earlier in the season for uh, alleged, you know, transfer and financial disputes, and yeah, they. Everyone was in, and it, everyone was expecting an answer either way, and we were kind of given it, but we were also kind of not given it. Basically, as it stands right now, they've had that fifteen points given back to them, but we don't know what will, what will happen because basically, the court of appeal have sent Juventus back to the original court that gave them this fifteen points points reduction. So that, I believe, is due to be held in May. So we don't know what will happen. They could get that 15 points reduced again. They could get a points reduction, but of a smaller number. Or they could get no points reduction at all. So it's quite a messy situation, which is obviously causing headaches for everyone involved, especially both Milan clubs, who lately have given more priority to the Champions League rather than the league because of their positions in the league. And that is now quite perilous when it comes to either of them qualifying next season because although one of them is guaranteed to get to the final, it's very unlikely that they will beat Manchester City or Real Madrid for that matter. So it could be a season where both of them miss out. And I mentioned it a few weeks back that Milan would probably be okay for Inter. It would be catastrophic upon, you know, a massive level. But, you know, Atalanta obviously will also be a bit annoyed at the moment. Roma could be annoyed if they miss out. And it's just a mess, you know. So we're going to come to a situation where the season will end, but we will not know how the table looks within the top six until after then, pretty much. Because even if they get they keep that points reduction to zero, there's another separate case against them where they could also get a points reduction within the league. So you know, and I, I believe that's separate as well to the to the UEFA investigation into them for financial fair play breaches. So there's a lot going on right now. I believe most of the directors or people in charge have all pretty much still had their, their bands, you know, held against them. We know Fabio Paratici has left Tottenham now because of that. He's, he's been given a, I believe it's a two and a half year ban from football uh, for his offense in the whole, in the whole case. And yeah, it's, 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 it's incredibly frustrating um, for all the clubs involved not knowing where they are and 
not knowing what to do because when you look at the Milan clubs, you know, how do they now approach this last seven or eight games? It's it's incredibly difficult to know what the outcome will be in both cases. And for Juve, I mean, they had, although, you know, they've done a lot wrong, they've had a lot go against them this season as well, especially in a few games where they've had big, big refereeing decisions go against them. They've been incredibly unlucky when it comes to injuries. They've missed Paul Pogba all season. They've missed Chiesa for most of the season as well. Um, you know, Locatelli's been injured at, at, at different spells. Vlahovic has, has dropped off massively from the form that he showed last season. Again, he's had injuries too. You know, they've had unfortunate incidents you know, on the pitch. We had Chesney go off the other night in the, in the Europa League against Sporting with uh, heart palpitations. Luckily, he's okay. Uh, Nicolo uh, Virgilio, you know, he came off in tears uh, because he made a mistake against the Swole, which led to a goal, led to the loss. And uh, even Moises Kane coming on and getting sent off 40 seconds later for, for kicking out at Mancini against Roma. So it's been a it's been a season where the spotlight has been on Juve more than ever, probably for the wrong reasons. And it'd be interesting, like I say, to see where they are next season, if they're in Europe at all. But in terms of the bottom of the table, that's starting to now spice up a little bit. We've now got a bit of a relegation dogfight. Basically, Verona, they look down and out along with Sampdoria and Cremonese, but they've pulled out some big results of late, meaning they're now one point off Spezia in 17th and two points off Lecce in 16th. And with seven games to go, that's still a lot of points to play for. And at the weekend as well this you know all three of those teams play interesting fixtures uh, um, I believe Lecce on Friday night they're at home to Udinese that's a winnable fixture and Spezia also on Friday night are at home to Monza again another winnable game for them whilst on Sunday Cremonese play Verona and uh, Verona should have the edge just on that one because at the moment Cremonese are, are actually playing in the semi-finals of the Coppa Italia against Fiorentina. Um, Fiorentina have a 2-0 lead from the first leg. That was away as well, so they are currently at home in Florence. They should go on to win the semi-final outright. And they will meet Inter in the final after they beat Juventus last night in the other semi. So that'll be quite interesting final because Fiorentina of late have been in very, very good form. They're in the semi-finals now as well of the Conference League. I expect them to go on to win that, to be honest, or at least, um, you know, do very well in the final if it is up against West Ham. But, you know, for sure, that's a 50-50 game. In Zaghi for Inter, he does what he does best. He gets his teams to finals he does win silverware, so it's a real coin flip, that final for me at the moment. And the same goes for the Champions League semi-final. I think it's a it's a complete 50-50 game. Both sides have that quality. Both sides have their you know, fragility. And I think it could very well be 
and amazing two legs, or it could be the complete opposite and they could both be complete bore fests. But it's that's that's just Milan this season for both sides, really. Incredibly inconsistent with glimpses of what they both have had in previous seasons. Don't know whether the noise came up on the podcast just then. Um, that was an uh, alert to some goals that have been going on right now. As Man, you've doubled their lead through Marcus Rashford. Bournemouth <laughs> have scored through Marcus Tavernier, as well as Everton's name, Game of Newcastle, currently being half-time. Um, so, really, at least, the last talking point was really... Uh, obviously, we, in the European one, we did our Champions League predictions, and I, you know, whilst on the one side, I, I said that Fico would make the final... I also didn't say Napoli would make it either. So that's something I think most were shocked by. The fact Napoli didn't advance, considering how good they've been this season in the league. What do you think went wrong for mind? Do you think it was almost burnout? The fact they've been, you know, so intense this season. You know, the, the pressure of trying to win the league. Um, would you say maybe it was just just Milan's time um, and the, the the performance of Mike Maignan? Maybe that has something to do with it, but. What would you say is someone who watches Serie A week in, week out? Uh, what do you reckon happened for Napoli and why they look so different than they did in the league? Um, I think it it came down to the little moments in, in both games. I don't think either team could say that they were outrightly deserving to go through. I thought Milan in the first leg were were good they they knew what to do they nullified Napoli's attack obviously Napoli they missed Osimhen in that game and then in the second leg they missed um uh Kim Kim Jae-mi at the back uh they also missed um Anguissa in midfield two massive players for them this season and they were they were huge losses and you could argue say they were unlucky to miss that game as well both through suspension through the yellow cards that they picked up in the first leg, I, I felt that they were very harsh in the manner that they were given. But nevertheless, Napoli, they had their opportunities in the second leg. And like you say, Mike Magnon had an absolute world-class performance. He's been, in my opinion, one of the, one of the best goalkeepers in Europe this season. I can't think of many that have done better than him. You can maybe put the likes of Edison and Ramsdale up in that category as well. Donnarumma has been good in certain games, but for Mike Magnon, he's been exceptional. And it was it just shows how good of a you know bit of business it was to get him. Um, but yeah, in terms of the game, I felt Napoli probably should have had another penalty in the second leg as well. Um, but you can't argue with Milan getting through. And I was just as shocked as anybody to see them get past them I really didn't didn't see it but you know fair play some of their players pulled out some very big performances when it mattered most and for for Inter against Benfica again another one no one saw really coming considering Benfica's form but they just didn't show up in either leg they were very very poor especially in the first leg and yeah the second leg was just you know a bit of a, a bit of a crazy affair but again, in a, they they have that strength and quality there sometimes, and when their top players do show up, they show that they can score goals and they can win games. So that's just why I think it'll be a complete fifty-fifty when they meet in the semis. But 
yeah, um, ultimately sad in a way because I did predict Napoli would not only go to the final, but they would also win it. So that's one prediction already down the drain. But yeah, it is what it is. And finally, it will be remiss to not talk about Europa League and the fact that Sevilla, despite their league form this season, are once again in a Europa League semi-final as they beat Manu, who really did self-destruct in this game. Two mistakes from De Gea ultimately cost Manu in this game. But Naeem, we've discussed this before in previous episodes, the fact that Spanish clubs seem to always find a way in Europe and Sevilla have been the, big, the biggest example of that in recent years, especially in Europa League. But... You, what do you think it is um, about these teams? I mean, Sevilla, a team that's been so bad this year, can go up and go basically do- almost dominate a team, you know, the biggest, second biggest, biggest club in the world and a team that has already won one trophy and could win a second this season. Um, what would you say it's all down to? I'd probably say it's because obviously they've won it seven times now, so it's probably the mentality of the club. You know, They've had a bad season in the league, so... You know, this is the next next best thing to try and win a win a trophy and get get into Europe because obviously they're not going to get into it automatically through the European places. There are too many points adrift. So, I think with them, you know, they made sure they they'll be safe in the league and then just try and go for this. But if, if you watch the first leg, say what was the first half? Because I watched I watched the well watched the first leg. I was, I was around United, mate. So house watching it. There was what two know up Manchester United. They was in control. Sevilla. They didn't. They they looked awful to be fair. But yeah, obviously they made subs in the second half. Ten Hag pretty much. I think he. I think he. I think he messed up um, his subs. You know, he brought he, he brought he brought Bruno off. Obviously, he was going to miss the next game, so he was he was on a yellow card. But I think he could have ran him out for the full ninety, considering he wasn't going to play the next game. But yeah, obviously Sevilla. Once they got that, well, the the two goals were quite comical, really. You know, Malasia, he didn't see the man behind him, was ball watching. Obviously, Navas um, obviously get, makes the error and obviously gets the own goal. And then, obviously, Maguire, you can't really say too much about that, you know. He, he could have ducked, maybe, but there's obviously another player right next to him that would have probably tapped it in. But you... It was a game of two halves, really. You know, Man United dominated the first half. If they were a bit more clinical, the game could have, the tie could have been done in the first leg, really. But obviously, Sevilla brought it back two-two, and uh, I think I think their record record away from home in like Europe is is not great, but at home it's it's just next level. And yeah, obviously, they they, they got got the first goal in the first ten minutes, and after that, you know, it was it was pretty much just one-way traffic, really. United were just kind of out of the game and. They made in that game. They made about what four, about three or four mistakes for the um, five goals that Sevilla Sevilla got in the tie, and yeah, going going away to Sevilla is always hard anyway. And, and you know that their crowd was us was us unreal that day. But I think it's yeah, it's their heritage in the competition, and knowing that this is the only chance for silverware this season. So yeah, they might as well just, just go for it. So. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy what these Spanish teams do, man. Like they're just in the Champions League and the Europa League. They're just last ten years. They've just just been dominating it, really. And it's it's it'd be good to see if it if that can break away. If, if Man City can win it, can they like can they maybe win it back to back? That's a tall order. So only only Real Madrid have done that. I think really yeah, Real Madrid are the only team to have ever done that. Win it back to back times. 
Well, yeah. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they, they do against um, Roma, I believe, is who they've got in semi-final. Um, oh, that is going to be some game, I mean. Because... Yeah, because yeah, because in the in obviously against final, you know, they were they were decent in the first leg, but then, yeah, obviously me and you, we we've been to the um Stadio Olimpico, and you know it's it's a, it's a decent ground, and before they'd have been down and out, but yeah, Jose Marino just seems to find a way in this tournament, and yeah, it'd be crazy to think if if he does get to the final and win it again, you know, he won the Conference League to get into the Europa League, and then. They probably will get into the Champions League through their their league position, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just these certain managers and teams. They just they just when you think they're down and out, they just find a way to turn it around, and that's what Sevilla um, have done. And obviously Real Madrid, they they just another level really. But yeah, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't think Sevilla would have went through um went through it I mean that game against United uh, judging by the first leg obviously the first half the, the way they were performing but you know credit credit to their, their new manager um, Jose Mendelebar so, you know he's only been a couple couple games and yeah he's actually he's actually unbeaten actually and they, they're, well, they're currently one of down against Athletic Club but yeah he's, he's he's doing a decent job at the moment and yeah it'd be good to see, it's good to see um, these semi-finals and how they play out now because we all think they'll go one way, but you know it's Champions League and Europa League, and the Conference League. Anything can happen in these competitions. So, yeah, credit to Sevilla, man. They just know how to get it done. Yeah, I think that it. it um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Xabi Alonso does against Juventus for Leverkusen. I'll be certainly cheering for him. Um, and then um, with um, the Sevilla game, um, it did, it did cause one of the for me one of my highlight moments of the year when it comes to viral content. Uh, Mark Goldbridge, the famous Man U fan, um, he was on a stream, his own stream, I believe it was, and they were 2 0 up. And he was saying about how severe they played for another hour, they wouldn't score again. And then, literally, literally seconds later, after that happened, they scored, and then they scored four other unanswered, un what's the what's the term? No, four more goals of that reply. So, um, yeah, that was saying, and his reactions were always good, but yeah, that, that was particularly one of my highlights. Yeah, um, I, I I hate to break it to you, but we've got the semi-finals there mixed up. Yeah, Sevilla are playing Juventus. Oh no, <laughs> Roma is not Leverkusen. Oh <laughs> uh, well, either way, I'll still cheer on Jabby Alonso. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, mean, I, I like I like Jose Mourinho to a certain extent, but I I, I want Jabby Alonso to do well. Um, before we do end the podcast, I you know I knew we'd go into the podcast. You'd be, you'd be a bit upset, maybe a bit down in the dumps, you two, after what happened yesterday. So I thought I'd cheer you up as the podcast ends. So I heard this story through a podcast I found on Twitter, the For You section. Um, and I, I, the, the, the faces I know, I just can't think of their names. Um, the studio is literally carbon copy of the Jack May Happy Hour, form, now former studio. Might be the same building, I don't know, but... Anyway, they told me that there was a man on Sunday around about the time you'd have got the emergency that I that you'd got the emergency uh, alerts text. So this man is he's going to get his car petrol filled up, right? So he gets his petrol filled up, and he's listening on the radio to Tottenham against Newcastle. So he gets out the car to first petrol up. It's nil nil. The game's just started. So he fills his petrol up, gets in a queue, pays for his petrol, buys a, a coffee. 
Apparently, he goes to the toilet. I don't know what he's doing in there. But when he comes back to his car, turns on the radio, it is 5-0 Newcastle. Um, <laughs> and he apparently, he thought it was um, a mistake on the radio. Uh, so that <laughs> obviously is in reference to Spurs' 6-1 loss to Newcastle. 5-0 down after 20 minutes. Um, and yeah, I'm sure uh, it was definitely a, 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 what's it called? A, a healer to you boys after Southampton result on the Friday. Um, and yeah, I thought that would cheer you up. Um, but that has been the Eurotrips podcast once again. Potentially our last one over Zoom for a few weeks. We're hoping to bring you some podcasts whilst we're off travelling in person. Uh, that should be a good laugh. And yeah, we look forward to bringing you content out in Thailand as well. So do keep an eye out on our socials, our TikTok, on our Instagram and Twitter, and of course our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, do press subscribe and like and comment our videos. I will be going to a Reading against Wigan on Saturday as well. I uh, won two free tickets through my current job. Um, so anyone who's a Reading fan or Wigan fan that wants to meet me, uh, then just let me know, DM me on Twitter. I am looking for people to come on and be interviewed because I need to do a piece for my diploma studies for my uh, my NTTJ journalism qualification. So anyone listening who's a Reading fan as well, do give me a shout and we can look to organise something. But in the meantime, this has been the podcast. I've been Andy, this has been Ryan, this has been Naeem. And we will see you guys next time.